Welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast presented by BrotoFantasy.com. I'm your host, Tim Petrop, with my brothers, the only two twins that give you double that fantasy goodness, Michael and Jason Petrop. An entire offseason and 17 weeks have all come down to this. It is the championship week, and we are here to help you prepare to win a championship. The reason why we're here, the reason why we do this in general, it is time. Michael, me, Tim, of course, we are here. What up, Mike? Tim, is it just me or, like, I can't believe we're in week 17 already. This shit is nuts. At this, Yes, but at the same time, like, a little bit behind the curtain, uh, behind the scenes, right before we started this, I told Michael, like, I... I'm so happy this is all over because we put so much work into, you know, everything. Um, and the only real time of the offseason for us is basically the NFL playoffs. Yeah. Uh, because once the Super Bowl is over, draft season begins, offseason work begins, and we don't really have – the only week we ever take off is going to be next week. Yeah. Like, we don't have any off weeks besides that. So, uh, definitely looking forward to – a, a podcast-free week and a research-free week and just kind of sitting there enjoying the NFL playoffs and not having to analyze it, just like being a fan again. I yeah. always enjoy the transition. We typically uh, it, sit back a little bit during the NFL playoffs, which is nice. I, well, maybe me and uh, me and Jay did a, a little um, FFPC playoff challenge action last year in terms of uh, producing content. Um I mean, Maybe we'll, we'll do, do that, that again. again. Yeah. But yeah, um but it's yeah. just not you know, it's not the serious like we're about to get into there was no Thursday game this week. So Correct. we're about to get into every single available player except players on the um Steelers and Browns are gonna be playing on Sunday. It, unless you have and, and there's not many Steelers or Browns that are gonna that are gonna switch your you know, you got eh, Deontay Johnson and Nick Chubb are definitely those are the big, big ones. Yeah. And then maybe Chase Claypool. Screw maybe it. maybe Jarvis Landry. But for the most part, young Jarvis. Sunday is going to be a wild day of back and forth of knowing exactly where you stand and if you're going to take home a championship. We hope to take home a championship with you. Now, I'm going to start this on a very sour note for Michael because mm. we have to chronicle what happened to Michael oh, this weekend. We didn't, we, didn't do, <laughs> we didn't do the recap episode. But before we do that... We want to shout out and ask you to please download our app, the Fantasy Football by Brodo app. It is the only app you need to dominate fantasy going into the offseason, too. This is not just a regular season app. Player this comps, baby. A, yeah, I mean, player comps, all of it, all the stats, everything. I really think this app is, and I was thinking about it the other day, this, this app is a really great dynasty tool as well because it gives you every single stat, every single trend that you need to identify dynasty winners, including those player comps. What else can you get on this? Fantasy player cards, usage charts, start sit tools, the aforementioned player comps, podcasts, consistency charts, game logs, coaching tendencies, articles, rankings, waivers, and advanced stats, including exclusive stats, true throw value, true target value, true performance value, adjusted air yards, and defensive points over average. Things you can only get on the Fantasy Football by Brodo app. And it's completely free. And the reason why it's free is because of our patrons over at patreon.com 
Join Patreon today to keep the fantasy football conversation going all year round and just the conversation in general. Uh, join our page, uh, our our uh, Discord, and you get a free uh, extra episode every week. So if you like the two-episode format, uh, actually, it's really three episodes because we release a double episode. But if you like the two-episode format uh, that we do now, we have two episodes for you every single week, including the patron pod. So patreon.com slash Broto Fantasy. We are pumping all off-season as well. And don't forget, this podcast, if you're listening, continues into the off-season. All right, so, Michael, not you know, it. sometimes there's, in this world, there's things that are, you just can't explain. How were the pyramids built, for example? What is a crop circle? There are earthly forces or otherworldly forces that we just can't control. Michael is currently... Um, Michael... <laughs> I'm sorry, bro. Like this is what this is what happens, to Michael. In our home league, it's been chronicled many times. Michael absolutely dominated throughout the season. Let's go through. Let's go through Michael's team just so you understand what kind of team Michael's looking at. He has Cooper Cup. He has Jonathan Taylor. He has Travis Kelsey. He has George Kittle. Yes, that's right. He has Travis Kelsey and George Kittle. Um, he has. Hold on, I'm going. I'm going Tom to Brady. Michael to to. Tom Brady. Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase. Let's not forget that. Tyler Lockett. Um, Alexander Madison, when Alexander Madison is on. He got Daryl Williams now, who's the starting running back for the the Chiefs, the Chiefs at RB2. Did I mention Cooper Cup? I did. This is a absolute bomb squad. It's a 12-man half-PPR league. Um, 12 I'm, projected very, 100, very I'm projected over 150 points this week. I led the league in points by over 100. I averaged over 140 points a week in a half PPR league. With, <sighs> only, one, with only one flex and one quarterback. And I lost by like um, 45 because I played against Mark Andrews and T. Higgins. Oh, well, I was going to get to that point. I'm sorry. Thank you, Michael, for... for but he lost again. It's, it's, it's become a, a running joke how dominant Michael is in the regular season. And he just cannot close the gap. Only in the home on league. A playoff home to, uh, on a play, on the home league. He can't. Right now, Michael is is in a bunch of finals. I took it on the chin this weekend, personally as well. Uh, I had four teams that had buys, two of which led the league in points and were number one seeds. And all four of those buy teams got eliminated. All four. That's like unheard of it's yeah. not it's not it's not right man it's not right yeah that's rough i um i had my my brodo dynasty team i lost in the playoffs um so i didn't make it to the semis the um brodo riders bowl i missed the playoffs by 0.8 otherwise i had four teams um five teams actually in just like money leagues the fifth one missed the playoffs and then four of them made the semis three of them were on excuse me all four of them actually got a buy so I crushed it. Three of them moved on. I only lost in my home league. So I'm not super upset. Three in the championship this week. Hopefully I could take take that, take home all three championships. One of them is the uh, FSGA Experts League. Last year, I lost to Andy Barons in the quarterfinals by two and a half. This year, I faced Andy Barons in the semis. He had Dallas defense and Greg Zerline. 
watching that game was absolutely terrifying for me. I ended up winning by half a point. Half a point because Dallas defense put up like 21. Oh, boy. That's that's what I want. So now I'm in the championship. That team, that is probably the most dominant team I've ever drafted in my life. I have 12 and 2, by far most points. There's no trades, and it's a 14 team league. And my starting lineup this week is going to be Josh Allen, Dalvin Cook, Elijah Mitchell, AJ Brown, Tyler Lockett, Hunter Renfro, and Dawson Knox. And Darren Waller is on my bench. Like, my team is absolutely stacked, and this is a 14-team league. It's glorious. Oh, oh, oh so glorious. Um, speaking of glory, this first matchup is not glorious, but let's get into it. Michael, what do you say? Let's do it. This is it. The last breakdown, the last preview pod of the week, uh, of, of, the, of the year. I can't believe it's been a whole other year. This is our fifth year doing this, so thank you so much. If you're a new listener or have been rocking with us from the very beginning, the growth of our company and of this podcast and everything has been really remarkable to see over the past couple of years. And it's all thanks to you. So thank you so much. You keep us going and we hope we can bring you some championships. So oh. I'll start with that first. Tim, I also want to add real quick, Bears. real quick, not it to cut be, you off. It wouldn't be a, it wouldn't be a review pod without getting cut off. And not because apologized <laughs> to, and then just getting cut off anyway. Look, I've been, I patted myself on the back for this team. And I completely miss the fact that I also have Debo Samuel and James Conner on the roster. Oh, in God. a fourteen this team kid is, is cutting us off so he can brag more about his team that beat Angie Beardrins. Congratulations, Michael Barons. Okay, how about you learn how to speak English? Barons, whatever. <laughs> nah, I respect Andy. He's he's one of the goats. Oh, he's the man. All right, man. let's. Yeah, so let's get into this. The Giants at the Bears. There's been talk of the Giants shutting down Saquon Barkley this year. Um, he looks like he's going to play, but there has been talks of him getting shut down. 3.5 yards per carry is the lowest in the league among qualifiers. And he's returning to the place where he tore his ACL. Uh, he's only been running back 20 or better in three of his six games since returning. And that includes last week. He only scored three points. Can he be trusted as an RB2 flex play in this matchup? Uh, this Because that's, that's a... I mean, you're probably not in the championship if you drafted Saquon Barkley where he was being drafted this year. But if you made the moves correctly and you're there, is Saquon someone you could depend on against this Bears defense who's it's it's not it's not a positive matchup, it's not a negative matchup, it's basically neutral. <laughs> Saquon Barkley has been absolutely abysmal um for weeks now. People kept ranking him as a top fifteen option and it was just absolutely blowing my mind. Um I said we said it several times and then it became like a huge topic that Saquon Barkley was looking exactly like Devontae Booker, if not worse. And Devontae Booker just continues to run better than Saquon Barkley does. I mean, Saquon Barkley has just been really bad, um, to say the least. And you could blame the offense, you could blame the offensive line. But at some point, if someone is a superstar-level talent like Saquon Barkley is supposed to be, he's supposed to be making superstar-level plays. And that has not been the case at all. Even if he's guaranteed 15-plus touches in a game, he has done absolutely nothing with it. Like, that's been a benchmark for guys like Christian McCaffrey and Dalvin Cook and company. Like, if you knew they were going to get 15 touches, doesn't matter who they're throwing out there. They're going to put in work that week, and that has not been the case for Saquon Barkley. He has one game since his huge week four against New Orleans, then he got hurt in Dallas. Ever since then, he has one game over 10.5 fantasy points, despite... Like, he had 15 carries this past week for 32 rushing yards. 
Only one reception, his season low. Like, he was even out of the receiving game against Philly in that just absolute blowout. Like, it's just been a complete mess. Even in the games where he's caught a lot of balls, the yards per reception are disgustingly low. Like, 4 for 24, 6 for 31, 4 for 13, 6 for 19. Like, he had 9 targets against Miami and resulted in 19 receiving yards. It has just been an absolutely disgusting season for Saquon Barkley and only 4 rushing touchdowns on the season. He hasn't scored a rushing touchdown since he got hurt in Week 5. He has one receiving touchdown in the only good game that he's had against the Chargers. And like you said, it's not a good matchup here against Chicago. It's not a bad matchup. They're right in the middle of the pack in terms of points over average to opposing running backs. But, man, if you drafted Saquon Barkley early, you probably had a rough time in the regular season. I don't know many people. I haven't seen many... Like, we get a lot of lineup questions, of course, and a lot of uh, pictures of teams. I don't recall seeing very many Saquon Barkleys at all in league championship matchups this week. Um, Especially not where he went. He was going in the—you were lucky. Like, everyone felt like, oh, my God, I got Saquon in the second round. What a steal. Like That's where he was going. Yeah, and uh, he's someone I did not touch at all this season for various reasons. And clearly, I mean, that's worked out, and I feel like I'm not going to— roster him much next year because I already see people saying about how big of a value he's going to be in fantasy drafts yeah if you have no, thank Saquon you. Barkley he's a flex at the very best at this point sorry Saquon if you if you draft Saquon Barkley and, you, and he ends up blowing up and it works out congratulations I'll figure out a different way to beat your team I don't need that uh, I don't need that headache um you can't really play any other Giants nope. uh, if there's Definitely one not. guy you could play Kadarius Tony was a target machine last week. He only saw 39% of snaps, but in those snaps, nine targets. He played 75% of snaps, snaps from the slot with Sterling Shepard out. I mean, it's the championship week, so hopefully you don't have to start Kadarius Tony. But if you have to in, in like one of these deeper like 16-team leagues or something like that and you need to start, he's not the worst play. Yeah, the issue is um, he keeps getting the low-value targets near the line of scrimmage, and they're just asking him to do whatever he can with it. And there's always a chance of getting re-injured in the game. And the the Giants' quarterbacks this year have just been absolutely abysmal the entire season. I mean, there's no way to there's no way to say it otherwise. Jake Fromm was absolutely abysmal, man. 17 pass attempts and. The guy had less than 20 passing yards, I believe it was. Like, goodness gracious, disgusting. And then you got Mike Glennon, who's just basically just as bad. And you have Daniel Jones, who's not going to return. But even when Daniel Jones was healthy, he registered lower true throw value this year, Tim, than Davis Mills, Andy Dalton, Colt McCoy in his very short stint, Tyrod Taylor. Like, this is just a team with super low-value targets the entire season, and there's no way I'm entrusting. Like, this is the championship round, guys. If you have Kadarius Tony, you're likely not starting him anyways. Like, there's going to be a lot of guys, like, you don't have to talk about those fringe-type guys anymore. Maybe you do. Maybe you've just been riding the waiver wire and winning games in defensive battles. <laughs> but, like, I doubt Kadarius Tony is someone who is in your mind to start this week because that's just a-, a rough matchup, and just it's just been an entirely rough offensive production coming out of New York recently. A lot of QB questions in this game. Um, Justin Fields returned to practice limited. 
Uh, Andy Dalton is a full go at practice. Nick Foles did come back and win the game last week in, in classic Nick Foles fashion. Yeah, of course. Of course he was going to do that. That's what Nick Foles does. <laughs> so, um, I mean, in this game for the Bears, I think there's two players you could play. One player is a home run type play, and that's David Montgomery. Yep. Uh, it's the eighth best matchup according to points over average. Um, this is a great matchup. I think also uh, Mooney. Um, Darnell Mooney is a great matchup. Tenth best matchup for wide receivers is the Giants. Giants defense has been dreadful. He's playable. I like David Montgomery. I like Mooney. I'm not looking anywhere else on this team. I'm not starting their quarterbacks. I, 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 if Justin Fields starts, I'd consider starting him in a, in a super flex. But I'm staying away from Andy Dalton. I'm staying away from Nick Foles. And that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. What do you think, Mike? Yeah, this is a huge blow-up type potential game for David Montgomery. The usage he's been getting... Man, absolutely absurd. Since week 13, his targets in order in the past four games, 9-7-6-9. Like, that is not a target number you expect to see from David Montgomery, but Terry Cohen ended up being out the entire season. Um, Khalil Herbert isn't stealing pass-catching work. So, I mean, he's going to keep seeing these targets, dude, but like 31 targets in a four-game span is some next-level shit, especially when you're getting 21 carries, 10 carries, 18 carries, and 21 carries. Like, the offense is absolutely running through David Montgomery. He is um, he is a good shot to find the end zone here against the Giants as well. The Giants' offense and defense have just been crumbling of late. Like, there's nothing scary about that team at all. Um, so sign me up for some David Montgomery. But, again, Darnell Mooney. Look, Darnell Mooney is never someone I've really been able to get behind, even when times were great. Um, I argued against Darnell Mooney with someone on Twitter who thought Darnell Mooney would have a shot to be like a top 20 receiver the rest of the way. And I'm like, no, man, it just, that's not how it works. Like he's going to have good games. Yes. And he had a, a good stretch and then people started ranking him as a top 20 player. And then it just really went downhill from there with three straight games, uh, two straight games of really bad performances. And then two straight semi decent performances, five for 63 and five for 57 over the last two weeks in very good matchups, Minnesota. And I mean, Seattle's not the greatest matchup, but it's also not a bad matchup. The Giants are not as good a matchup as Minnesota, better matchup than Seattle. But, I mean, this guy needs a lot of high, a lot of targets to be highly productive. And even with the targets, we're talking about low, true throw value guys in, um, in Nick Foles, Andy Dalton, Justin Fields. Assuming it's Justin Fields because he seems to be back from his injury. Like, he is, you cannot trust him as a passer at this moment either. So, I mean, Darnell Mooney, he's shown upside like he has. Four games this year, over 15 half PPR fantasy points, which you would be absolutely very happy with championship weekend if you start him in your wide receiver through your flex spot. But I'd be uh, I'd be a little scared about it. I mean, I'd, I, I'm okay with him as a flex play. He seems to have a decent floor at this point, and it's a great matchup. But I could also just see them, the Bears running the ball a bunch. Darnell Mooney gets five targets, catches three balls for 38 yards, and that's that. It's good to see David Montgomery catching passes because when he came out of Iowa State, his whole spiel, the whole spiel about why he was going to be great was because Matt Nagy coming from Kansas City, drafting the running back who profiled the most like Kareem Hunt, and he would get him in that kind of Kareem Hunt role that Kareem Hunt played when he was with the Chiefs. And, um, you know, you, we haven't seen that because Tyreek Tyree Hill took that role. So, I mean, the sky's the limit for David Montgomery in this game. Um, speaking of sky being the limit, the floor is the limit for this one. Let's go to the next one. The Jaguars at the Patriots. That's the right. Floor is the, the Jaguars. Huh? The floor is the ceiling. 
The floor oh, no, sorry. Is, the yeah, ce- the, the is ceiling the is the roof. I was trying to... That's what it both, was. The ceiling both. is the roof. The floor yeah. is the ceiling. The ceiling is the floor. That is what's happening in this one because everyone knows Bill Belichick versus rookie QB, QBs has been well-documented uh, slugfest. Trevor Lawrence has one TD, one, in his last eight weeks. One. Uno. One. And now the best offensive weapon for the team James Robinson is out with a tour Achilles. Let's just make this short Trash. and sweet. I don't think you can play anyone on the Jaguars. If you want to chase Dare for, for like, let, let's say you're starting Alexander Madison as your RB2 and now Dalvin Cook's back and you don't know what to do, you could start Dare for, you know, volume purposes. But that's the only thing you're going to get from him. It's this, The ceiling is limited. I wouldn't be surprised if the Jaguars got shut out in this game. Michael, what do you think? Yeah, man. I mean, it's Dario Gabonwale. Like, we've we've been down this path before, like, against the New England Patriots. Like, they've been susceptible to the running back this season, mostly. Um, they're 31st against a QB in points over average, 31st against tight ends, 28th against wide receivers, 12th against running backs. But we're really going to chase Dario Gabonwale in championship weekend. I mean, I'm certainly not. It depend like obviously it depends on your roster. You might need to trust him. I think he's like a volume placed volume based RB three flex play. Maybe you could squeeze eight points out of him. Maybe he falls into the end zone and you end up getting a better game. But man, would you be shocked at all if he ends with ten carries for eighteen rushing yards and four receptions for nine receiving yards? Because I would not. No. no. Um on the other side where there's you know, there's not many fantasy viable options on this side either. Ramondre Stevenson is back, which sucks because Damian Harris had the huge game, three touchdowns, was the RB one on the season. I mean, on the on the week, but Damian Harris only played 48% of the snaps. He got 90% of the carries, but he only played on 48% of the snaps. So, you know, you you can get seduced by Bill Belichick running backs when they're on their own and they do well. Because Bill Belichick's running game is great for people who are on their own and do well. The problem is he likes to spread the ball around. So Ramondre Stevenson coming back from an injury, if he's just a spell back, then yes, Damian Harris is a good play. But more than likely, Ramondre Stevenson is going to get a bunch of work uh, because this game is going to be out of reach and the Patriots are going to want to, they're going to want to run the ball over and over and over again. So uh, Damian Harris, I think his upside is is definitely capped in this game with Ramondre Stevenson back. Uh, I mean, look, you know I'm not the biggest Damian Harris guy. I'm trusting him as an RB2 this week. Like, even the last time Ramondre Stevenson was active, it was clearly Damian Harris as the lead dog in that backfield. We're talking about a Jacksonville Jaguars team that is just, they can't score and they keep trailing. Like, they're going to be playing from ahead, the Patriots, that is, especially after that embarrassing loss against the Bills which I called, by the way, because the Bills are clearly the better team. When everyone was shitting on the Bills because they let the Patriots beat them in a monsoon, I was like, what are you guys even talking about? A monsoon is literally exactly what the Patriots want because they can run the ball nonstop and Josh Allen can't pass. It's like this game. the Bills would beat them if they had regular weather, and the Bills absolutely demolished them with regular weather because they're the better team. I've been calling the Patriots frauds all season, and now they, they legit don't even have a... They have a chance of missing the playoffs if they lose the last two weeks, but luckily for them, they get the Jacksonville Jaguars. 11th in points over average to opposing running backs. 
but that's seventh rushing and 31st in receiving. So definitely rushing is uh, preferred, which is exactly what Damian Harris does. He's been on a roll. I like him as an RB2 here. He could get 20-plus carries, go over 100 yards, find the end zone. It's a it's a very good spot for him. And Ramondre Stevenson, like, it's the championship, like, desperation flex type of guy, but I doubt you're in that position. Speaking of desperation flex type of guy, do you take a chance on any of these wide receiving options? Look, if I if I was going to, it would be Kendrick Bourne, but I'm just not going to. Um, I I'm think not, the passing option that I – that's the – I mean, the passing option I think is that's obvious here is Hunter Henry. Uh, Hunter Henry, he's been on and off, but he's been pretty easy to predict. In the good matchups, he plays well. In the bad matchups, he doesn't. This is a good matchup. Uh, the Jaguars give up 20% points over average of the 10th best matchup uh, in the league for tight ends. I think Hunter Henry finds the end zone in this one. I'm, I'm comfortable starting him. See, I'm on the opposite spectrum here, man. I think it's just going to be a rushing game. There, uh, Hunter Henry's gonna. It's gonna be another game where he uh, catches tops four balls, and you really have to hope he finds the end zone. I'd either stream someone like Foster Moreau. Like I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to trust Hunter Henry. All right, Michael. Hunter Henry touchdown bet. Yeah, sure. Why not? Let's do it. We gotta get. We gotta get some bets in here. Yeah. Dead. Oh, it's we also didn't. We didn't mention that Jason is not here. He's in Sedona, Arizona, currently. So shout out to Jason who's in Arizona. Yeah, he this guy booked a vacation because he forgot that the the fantasy season ends a week later. Which, by the way, now that I think about it, why did they make it a week later? Why didn't they just add a week to in August? Like yeah. they started it on like September thirteenth. If they started on September fourth or whatever thirteen minus seven is a fifth, if they started on September fifth or sixth, like it, yeah, it felt unnatural not ending on Christmas. I don't know. Yeah, like, I remember weird. one of my favorite championships ever was the year Travis Kelsey broke out and he broke a 80-yard touchdown catch against the Broncos on Sunday Night Football on Christmas Day that won me a championship in that exact moment. It was one of my favorite It was one of my favorite memories of all time because I'm also born on Christmas. Shout out to the Christmas babies out there. Actually, in my research, and we'll get to it later, I figured out there's another player that we're going to talk about who was born on Christmas, so we'll uh, we'll talk about him a little bit. Hey, you. All right, let's go on to the next game, the Rams at the Ravens. Ooh-wee, the Ravens secondary is trash. They are, I mean, they're on their, like, fifth-string guys, so it's not like you can blame them, but they just got lit up, and now they're playing a team with a very potent pass-off offense. I think that Cooper Cup's a great play like he always is what do we? i think obj is a good play and i think van jefferson's a good play van jefferson is only two less routes run than cooper cup over the last two weeks all three of these guys are always on the field it's it's is there a chance that he fucks up your team yes but i think you're you can do worse than taking a chance on van jefferson uh, in a game like this if you are if you're relying on a guy like we're talking about just now jacoby myers or a guy like uh, Kendrick Bourne or a guy like Kadarius Tony or Kenny Galladay or, or any of these guys, I'm I would way prefer putting Van Jefferson in uh, in this game. And because I like all these guys, I like Matt Stafford too. So how do you feel about this passing attack? Yeah, Matt Stafford is now first overall in true throw value. Well, not is now. He has been for a bit, but he has almost a half um, half point point zero five lead. So not half, about. Um, like not half of one, 
half Michael of the little go, the little true forward, value bro. units for, of measurement. Go forward, bro. He has a go decent forward, lead in true throw value ahead of Joe Burrow, who's number two. Glorious. You have to start Matt Stafford in this matchup. The Ravens are now first in points over average to opposing quarterbacks. That's how bad they have been over the last several weeks, which is absolutely insane when you think about it. Cooper Cup is out here breaking records. The no-brainer wide receiver won. OBJ found the end zone again. Look, I'm playing OBJ as a low-end RB2, high-end wide receiver 3, um, because not only is he getting, like, yeah, people are saying, oh, he's scoring touchdowns and that's booing him, but they're clearly looking for him in the red zone. Like, that's where they've been using him. And he also had eight targets against Minnesota. Like, he only went four for 37, but he scored the touchdown. He has now had, um, over the last, uh, since he joined the Rams, actually started playing against Green Bay, 16.5 fantasy points, 10, 16.5, 1.2 against Seattle, which was a huge letdown, and then 12. Besides that huge letdown, OBJ has been a low-end wide receiver two, high-end wide receiver three since joining the Rams, and this is a tremendous matchup, one that I'm willing to chase here. But you said you want to, you like Van Jefferson this week. I think he's more of a risky wide receiver three, not because he can't have a big game. Like, no one would be shocked, I don't think. At least I wouldn't be shocked if he catches a long pass. The issue is that he has now has three straight games of two receptions or less. Against Arizona, two for 58 and a touchdown. Against Seattle, two for 23. Against Minnesota, one for six. He has two games the entire season with more than four receptions. That is certainly not ideal. He's more of a Marquez Valdez yes. Scantling type of guy than people yes. want to admit. He's a he's a Deshaun Jackson type back in the day. Even when Deshaun Jackson was going as a as a early pick, if he didn't hit on a big on a big one, you were concerned. But here's the thing: the guy's the deep ball pass catcher. He's caught a bunch of these, and they're playing the Ravens. Who look? I didn't see the updated stat. I should have looked it up. But going into last week, they were the worst team in the league at giving up long balls, and then they literally gave up 520 yards to Joe Burrow. So I'm Crazy. guessing that's just getting worse. Yeah. Like, you know, so, I mean, they're the worst in the league, and this is this guy's role. Like, yeah. this is why he's on the field. And he's on the field only two less snaps than Cooper Cup the last two weeks. Yeah, I mean, I have him as a wide receiver three. I just, I just three. him in a big one. I hear you. I have him as wide receiver three, but look, he has six games this year in double digits. Excuse me, seven games this year in double digits. Six of them are games in which he scored a touchdown, and he has six touchdowns on the year. When he doesn't score a touchdown, he's scoring single digits, and it's not even like 8.9. It's 4.3, 1.1, 3.4, 2.1 type single digit performances. There's certain there's certainly risk there, but the upside is... uh. Absolutely there as well in this game because the Ravens' defense has just been... I mean, look at last week. Jamar Chase had, what, 125 receiving yards. T. Higgins had 180 and two touchdowns. And Ty, uh, Tyler Boyd had 80 receiving yards and a touchdown. Like, that is three top 15 wide receiver performances in one game. Hot uh, damn. Hot hot damn is right. Um, any, need, any need to talk about uh, our favorite... Our favorite guy with long hair playing the tight end position. Our favorite guy with long hair. He's our favorite guy with long hair. I don't know. I'm just. I'm just. I don't know. I don't very know, good matchup for Tyler. I'm getting crazy. Yeah, very oh, good matchup go. for Tyler Higby. Obviously, <laughs> but uh, the way this season has been going, if you're trusting Tyler Higby, it's 
good for you. You have balls. Like, that's all I'll say about it. Trusting Tyler Higby at this point is risky, especially now that he's missed a couple games with COVID and all that. Like, it's, I mean, he's likely a low-end tight end. Well, not a low-end tight end one. I'd say more of like a mid-tight end two with a little bit of upside in this matchup, but I'd rather trust the wide receivers here. To say the least. All right, let's go over to the Ravens side. Lamar Jackson looks like he's not going to play. Did not practice today. Tyler Huntley's back. There's this viral video going. Huh? Tyler Huntley is back. Tyler Huntley is back. And there was a viral video of Lamar Jackson going around. I don't know if you've seen it, Michael, where he throws a pass and then, like, he completely limps. He looks like like Ben Roethlisberger walking after on, like, on a a Monday afternoon. Like, he looks like he is in, in bad, bad shape. He didn't practice today. Odds are it's going to be Tyler Huntley. Odds are we're going to have a situation where he's going to have to run around. Are you doing it, Michael? Are you starting Tyler Huntley as your quarterback in championship week? I was just talking about either ors for you coming up too. Yeah, so I was just your... talking talking about having balls. Well, if you're starting Tyler Huntley, you got massive balls. Um, the Los Angeles Rams are a strong defense. I don't think anyone is questioning that. Twenty fourth. In points over average, the uh, the silver lining, though, fifth in points over average for rushing to opposing quarterbacks. Oh, that's right, Tyler Huntley. Tyler Huntley, ring a bell. He likes to run a fifth. lot. Yes, fifth. That's the fifth best matchup. Yes. But we're talking about Tyler Huntley, who has, like, one good game in his career. Let's be real. And a Los Angeles Rams defense that has had... Very good performances this season. Tyler Huntley is coming off the COVID list. You heard what Tyler Lockett said? He said that he got absolutely destroyed by COVID and lost like eight pounds. We never, like, see, that's something we didn't know. And then Tyler Lockett ended up having a terrible performance last week. Like, what if Tyler Huntley... Same thing happened with Tyreek Hill. Yeah, exactly. One of my teams scored 204 points, and I lost because Tyreek, because I replaced... DK Metcalf with Tyreek Hill. Yeah, that's the type of decisions I'm making on this team, and I lost. DK Metcalf or Tyreek Hill. And Crazy. I lost. Because, because, yo, one of the things, and I know this is like, I guess this is more political than it is than we usually get here, but like one of the things that's boggling my mind about COVID is like the thing where you can't tell anyone who has it. <laughs> like my school shut down before for a week. It makes before, absolutely zero sense. And they don't tell us who have it. They're like, oh, don't worry. We've 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 talked to the people who are close contacts. Like, what are you talking about? Every single sixth grader shares a fucking cafeteria and good luck getting these kids to keep their masks on. We we deserve to know who it is. Like, we're not gonna it's not shameful. We're not gonna embarrass that person. Like, it's fine. It's it's going around. We get it. Yeah. But let us know who it is. And and that's the same thing here. Like, they're not even telling us who has it, who has a who has symptoms from it and Tyree kills another one who Patrick Mahomes said after the game Tyree kill was out of it and exhausted yeah he so, said like he just had like no uh no endurance at all right exactly I mean you know he's a, he has a fucking lung disease so <laughs> I get it it's not his fault but you know COVID is I thought COVID was gonna be an x-factor in this year I didn't expect COVID to be this much of an x-factor COVID is literally some of the reasons why some of these teams have moved on and why some of these teams are sitting at home right now thinking wishing and thinking about what if yeah. um well any anywho 
with with that being said, Tyler Huntley is look. He has huge upside as we as we saw. Like he put together a, a crazy performance against Green Bay, but it's a tough matchup coming off the COVID list again. Like it's just a question mark in general for any of these guys coming off the COVID list. Hard hard to trust him, man. And I know the the rushing ability gives people uh, gives quarterbacks a huge plus. We see it in Jalen Hurts. We see it in Taysom Hill. People are talking about starting Trey Lance this week. We see how big of an impact rushing could have for quarterbacks, but I don't know if I'd want to trust Tyler Huntley this week and, and with the championship on the line. But, of course, it also depends on your options, which is why people become patrons, and you can hit us up in the Discord and DMs, and we'll see your options, and we'll let you know if Tyler Huntley is the best option. Bada-bing, bada-boom. Superflex. Superflex, I think he's a... You got to start well, yeah, him of course. Superflex. But anyway... Mark Andrews I thought you were, is a guy who's sorry, but I thought you were. You said super flex. I thought you were saying it was a a super flex, like that. We're like I was flexing the Discord by saying you yeah. could come hit us up, but you meant super flex, like the real super flex type of scoring. <laughs> yes, 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 not a super flex. That you're starting him, but it would be a super flex if you are starting him. Um, I mean, Tyler Huntley has showed you have to stay away from Marquise Brown. I mean, Rashad. Bateman has been coming alive. You're definitely starting Mark Andrews. How do you feel about these pass catching options? Pass catching options. You're starting Mark Andrews because he has just become an absolute monster over these past several weeks. Like by golly gosh, he's taking a crazy lead. What? Michael just said by golly. I said gosh. by golly gosh. That's the whitest thing Michael's ever done in his entire he's life. He's going to end. And Michael's as... done so many white things. <laughs> Shut up. He's going to end as the tight end one overall this year. That's 100% guaranteed unless Travis Kelsey puts up 50 and Mark Andrews falls over and uh, just doesn't catch any passes next Crooks. week. <laughs> Knock on wood. But, uh, yeah, you're obviously starting Mark Andrews. The wide receivers, though, man, like, are, am I chasing Rashad Bateman because he caught a two-yard touchdown pass last week? No. Am I trusting Hollywood Brown? Eh. Like, at this point, how can you trust Hollywood Brown? Like, the guy, like, I was a huge Hollywood Brown supporter through the first half of the season. He was looking great. And since then, man, since week 10, he didn't play week 11. But week 10, and then weeks 12 through 16, he has zero double-digit performances, dude. And a half PPR scoring. He has not scored a touchdown since week 7 against Cincy. And that was scoring... He had seven touch, excuse me, six touchdowns through the first seven weeks of the season. Hasn't scored a touchdown since. Like he has not topped fifty-five receiving yards since week nine. And it's like, how can you trust this guy at this point against the Rams, Jalen Ramsey and company? Not an easy secondary to put up points against. Like it's tough in these streets right now for non-Mark Andrews pass catchers. Um, in Baltimore, so it's just it's a tough, tough to trust him here, man. Because like they're twentieth, the Rams are in points over average to opposing wide receivers. You've had Hollywood Brown in your lineup all year, probably, depending on your options, of course. Because like I've been saying all year, once you get past like the first fifteen wide receiver options, it's all disgusting, and like it's all just a bunch of guys who are similar type fantasy producers. You maybe you have better options than Marquise Brown, maybe you don't, but. Like he hasn't, he has not done much at all recently, and I don't see why that would change here against the Rams with the way this with Tyler Huntley at quarterback as well, who has a lower true throw value than Lamar Jackson. It's just not ideal. 
Uh, all right, so let's turn our attention over to the running game. Any chance you take a chance on this running game now that – I mean, I think now that Latavius Murray's back in the action, like you're hoping for a touchdown. I don't know. I'm hoping that if you're in the championship, you're not you're not relying on a Fal- on a Ravens running back. Yeah, Devontae Freeman and Latavius Murray. Devontae Freeman has has played 29 more snaps than Murray over the last two weeks, but has the same amount of carries and one less target than Latavius Murray. Devontae Freeman just happened to fall into the end zone last week, but still didn't put up double-digit fantasy points. Now that they're both healthy and playing, if like we've seen all year, if one of them is the lead back, he's going to be a fantasy-viable RB2 flex option type of guy. If both of them are back there, you're just tossing up a coin and hoping one of them falls in the end zone, and that's not what I plan on doing with my fantasy championships hopes on the line. Michael, don't cut me off on this next transition. It's gonna you be got beautiful. it. Speaking of fantasy championships, there's a league winner in this next game, and it's a guy that you wrote off in the beginning of the year, and he's going to win championships. The Buccaneers at the Jets is next. Rojo, Ronald Jones, is going to win people championships. Do you understand me? He is an RB1 this week. Okay? He is a – I would start him over maybe – maybe there's six guys that I don't start him over. Maybe. Rojo, I cannot stress enough how much he is a 100% play, go, go, go. Go, Chargers, go. Rojo, play him. End of story. Yeah, I have my I have Rojo as my RB five. The Jets are absolutely abysmal against opposing running backs. Man, the entire season we've seen it. First overall easily point in points over average. It's to the point where I'm considering Keyshawn Vaughn. Yeah, last see now week, that's just silly. Look, I'm seeing that everywhere last week, too. Last week he got eight touches, and the Jets have given up <laughs> over ten points to multiple running backs. The majority of their games, the vast majority of their games, the vast majority. If you are in the championship, if you are in the championship matchup and you're starting Keyshawn Vaughn, your team likely sucks. Let's be real, dude. Fine. Uh, like should, I, I, mean, I get people keep saying to start Keyshawn Vaughn this week. It's just are they saying it's that? Silly. On Twitter, yeah, it's like a thing on Twitter. It's just it's man annoying because like who, who's actually starting Keyshawn Vaughn this week, bro? Like. Come on, you know, you, you know, Michael. I have a, I have off this week because I'm a teacher. Mayo. And I thought I was like I was gonna be like oh it's gonna be a nice relaxing week, but then my wife got sick, uh, non-corona. It looks like she passed her her uh, her rapid waiting on the PCR, but she was sick with something called mastesis, which is when you breastfeed, and it's been a busier week than usual for me, and it's just nice to know that in the t- in the league that. I am still alive in. Rojo's going to be my running back, and I'm going to win. And you should feel that way if you have Rojo because the Jets are dead last in points against the run, and and and, and Michael uh, mentioned that. Another one you should feel good about, and game script might get rid of Tom Brady, which makes me nervous. But Tom Brady has said on the record many times that he hates the Jets, hates the Jets. Tom Brady is a good play. Antonio Brown's a good play. Gronk is a good play. Gronk has nine TDs in 15 career games against the Jets. But, Michael, I don't want to talk about those guys because those guys are playing. Who I want to talk about is a guy I think that most people are writing off after his zero targets last week but could be back in the action, I think, is Tyler Johnson. Because 
Mike Evans looks like he's not going to play in this game. Tyler Johnson did not run Mike Evans' role last week. He was on the other side. He was the slot guy. I think Tyler Johnson has a chance to do something. But again, this is a this is desperation. You're not starting Tyler Johnson if you're in a good situation. You're starting the names that I said. Tom Brady, Antonio Brown, Rob Gronkowski. Boom, boom, and boom. Yeah, I agree. Honestly, I think I'd rather take the shot on returning Brashad Perriman than I would Tyler Johnson after that donut last week. I wouldn't be shocked if Brashad Perriman is already more involved. You know what, Michael? You're right. I I take that back. Tyler Johnson, I think if Mike Evans doesn't play, it's going to be Brashad Perriman in that role, not Tyler Johnson. So either way, desperation-type move um, if you're trusting Brashad Perriman. Yeah, happily starting Brady even with the game script possible issue i don't care i'm starting him starting rojo starting gronk starting uh ab very happily brady or brady or joe burrow brady brady or justin herbert brady really over justin herbert 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 yo i know everyone is on the herbert train right now and everyone is just like loving justin herbert but they're acting like he's not playing against the Denver Broncos this yeah. week. It's hard it's just odd. Uh let's go to the let's go to the other side. I mean, you're not you don't want to start many people against the against the Jets, but if Elijah Moore comes off the COVID list, Michael, can you play him? Because he's one of those guys that you could have had him in your flex, and then all of a sudden you picked up like a Rashad Penny or a Ronald Jones. And you haven't felt his loss as much. He was the wide receiver two overall. Overall. In the great run that he had. Wide receiver two. He's still battling a quad. He may come back this week, though. Can you play Elijah Moore in this game if he comes back? I don't know, man. I get it. I get the appeal. Tampa Bay. Um, huge favorites. Likely to pass a lot. But Elijah Moore... One, he's already he's only like 50-50 if he's returning or not. So if he has a limited role, how much can you trust him? Zach Wilson's true throw value is trash, obviously. Tampa Bay's a good matchup, but we're talking about a long absence from a rookie wide receiver in an offense that's just been atrocious. Wide receiver three, flex play, I suppose. Depends on your roster, of course. There's decent upside there, but there's also legitimate downside if he gets a limited role. Or if they try to ease him back in with only two weeks to go and nothing really to play for. If you're in a dynasty league and there's someone who is in the championship or and like needs one of your veteran players, go out and try and get Elijah Moore. I Elijah Moore is going to be very good next week, uh, next year. Another guy that I think is being slept on is Michael Carter. Michael Carter had a, over 100 yards last week, and no one seemed to care really because it was Zach Wilson who stole the show. Um, how are you feeling about Michael Carter in a matchup against the Buccaneers that has not been kind to running backs? Yeah, this is the uh, a brutal matchup here for Michael Carter. <clears throat> They're not quite the Saints, but they are 31st in points over average to opposing rushing running backs. They're one of um, two teams to allow more points receiving to running backs than they do rushing, um, which is decent when you think about the Jets. But... The vast majority of their crazy running back production through the air was with Mike White 
at quarterback was with Joe Flacco at quarterback. Like, that's when Ty Johnson was catching seven passes a game. That's when Michael Carter was getting more involved in the passing attack. Like, we're not talking about a guy who's going to catch seven passes. We're talking about a guy who's going to get 10 to 15 carries, likely, depending on game script, and see two to three targets. Upon his return, he's seen five targets and has caught three balls. I think it's going to... It's going to remain that way. Zach Wilson just doesn't throw to the running backs like the other guys in that offense did. So we're talking about maybe two to three receptions, but he's going to need to run against Tampa Bay, which is almost impossible to do. Makes it even harder when you're on a trash team. Like, I think Michael Carter is just a a low upside flex play this week. I can't get behind him. Speaking of trash teams... Enjoy making fun of the Jets for the remainder of the season because this team is going to turn it around next year. You heard uh, that's it here what first. we all say, Tim. Right. Um, the Flackens at the Bills. Yes, I said Flackens because that's how I accidentally spelled it. Yeah, is Tim always matchup. sends us the uh, the order. I noticed you wrote the Flackens, and I also <laughs> in the uh, in the list of games that you sent us, you had um, Rojo League winner like italicized in between everything <laughs> under the Buccaneers. Like, oh, Tim uh, really wanted to get that in there. <laughs> so, oops. Honestly, Michael, when you asked me for the team list, I already had so many notes. I just sat there and I deleted all my notes. I was like, oh, Michael, fucking hate you. Uh, <laughs> um, Falcons at the Bills. Uh, the Falcons implied total in Vegas is under 15 points. You They're can't... not the lowest implied total of the week, of the week though. That, that belongs to the Jaguars. You can't trust a Falcon this week besides maybe Cordero Patterson finding Michael, the end give zone. Him the ba- you tweeted about this earlier this week. That, so give him the, give everyone the bad news about Cordero Patterson. Cordero Patterson, the, the Falcons have ruined him, folks. I, it makes absolutely zero sense to me. And, like, to be completely honest, you think if a team like the Falcons, who somehow are still in, like, uh, playoff contention... If they win the next two weeks, the Falcons could possibly make the playoffs. Like, they're not a team that's vying for a top five overall pick. They're not a team that's like a lock, a laughing stock in the league. But since week 10, Patterson has not topped three receptions. 27 receiving yards is his max in any game. And he's just become an early down plotter type of guy. Mike Davis has outsnapped him four of the last five games. This was after Cordero Patterson was one of the most elusive, most dynamic, most just overall making opposing defenders look dumbfounded players over the first nine weeks of the season. And then Atlanta decided they're just not going to use him in the passing game and they're just going to run with him up the gut a few times a game. It makes absolutely zero sense to me. I don't understand it. The Bills' defense has been gashed by the running back several times this year. Overall, they're a decent unit. But, I mean, Damian Harris has beat them bad twice. Derrick Henry had a huge game against him. Jonathan Taylor had that monster game. Like, you're not a team that you can't attack at all on the ground, which is why Cordero Patterson, he's he's like a flex play, in my opinion. Um, not super happy about it. But if like if I'm going to start anyone, that's, that's about... It from the Falcon side because I'm not going to start Russell Gage against the Bills, whose secondary is absolutely elite and is coming off a down game against Detroit. Like he's been great, but you know, what? I'll, I'll take it back. Maybe I again, I don't want to speak in absolutes. Maybe I'll start Russell Gage if I need to. I have him as a low end wide receiver three this week because he's one of those guys where matchups haven't really been super 
important for him because even the bad matchups, that probably means he just gets more passing yards. Uh, excuse me, more pass targets. But then he has a bad game against Detroit, which is supposed to be lined up to be a great matchup. So the, the matchups, Russell Gage has not really went up and down with matchups this season. But he's not someone I want to trust um, in championship week unless I have to. And, like, you're obviously not starting Matt Ryan. And then you have Kyle Pitts, who sucked for a majority of the season, but has really turned it on a bit over the last three weeks, which makes this decision that much harder if you're a Kyle Pitts manager because over the last three weeks, this guy has 61 receiving yards and five receptions, four for 77, and then against Detroit, six for 102. Not blowing the world out of the water, only one double-digit performance, but certainly tight end worthy numbers I don't know if I'd be able to trust him against Buffalo either I just don't see how Atlanta really moves the ball yeah I mean well I I think one thing that you're I I I push back on you on a couple of things about Cordero Patterson number one you said it makes no sense I think it doesn't make sense I think that he's 31 years old Cordero Patterson he's been in the league for a long time and he's never put this kind of tread on the tires he could be slowing down. I think that there's a good possibility that this 31-year-old guy is slowing down. Number two, the reason why the Bills have gone from the elite rush defense that they were early in the season to Michael mentioned they've been susceptible over the past few weeks is, number one, they're being gashed by guys who are super talented like Derrick Henry and Jonathan Taylor. But number two, it's the touchdowns. They've been giving up a crazy amount of rushing touchdowns. And if I'm looking at this game, I think that if anyone's going to get the rushing touchdown, it's going to be Cordero Patterson. So I, I'm comfortable starting Cordero Patterson. I agree with you on Russell Gage. Uh, was a dud last week, not looking to start him this week against a very good death secondary. And one thing you did mention about Kyle Pitts, Kyle Pitts is about 130 yards from the rookie record for receiving right now. So for a team like Atlanta, you could say that, hey, maybe they try and get their boy the rookie record. So uh, there is a, a narrative here where Kyle Pitts gets fed the ball. On the other side, the Bills are facing a fantastic matchup. And I think that, you know, it's easy when when it's the Chiefs, right? You got Tyree Kill, you got Travis Kelsey, you got Pat Mahomes, you got whoever the running back is, done, finish, finito. But then you have a guy, you have the Bills in a fantastic matchup against the Falcons. But the Bills have played this game with us before. Gabriel Davis and Cole Beasley are both back and cleared. So if you were thinking about playing Isaiah McKenzie, I would have been on here supporting your decision to play Isaiah McKenzie. I can't support that decision, obviously, now. Gabriel Davis is a good play. I love Josh Allen in this game. I love Stephon Diggs in this game. I think you could play Gabriel Davis. I like Dawson Knox in this game. With that being said, there is a big X factor. Devin Singletary. He's been the man the last two weeks. He's had over five catches in two of his last three games. The Falcons are the sixth best matchup for running backs. Here's the only problem. We've seen this happen before with the Buffalo Bills where you swear that there's a new running back who's going to take over all the carries, and it happens for two weeks, and then, the, and then they switch it. And last week, Zach Moss, wouldn't you know it, Got a goal line carry. He didn't convert it, but he got got a goal line carry. Devin Singletary seems like a good matchup in this game. 
seems like a good play, but I'm scared. Michael, am I crazy for being scared? I mean, Devin Singletary is someone I I talked up last week on the review pod, uh, two weeks ago, excuse me, on the review pod, where I was saying, look, this guy is getting a ridiculous amount of work. He's basically just him in the backfield now. He could end up being a very solid RB2 against New England. Take it with a grain of salt because it's the Bills running back room. But then he goes and he ends up as a very solid RB2. 16.5 half PPR fantasy points. Five receptions for 39 yards. 39 rushing yards and a rushing touchdown. Now he gets Atlanta, which is an even better matchup. Likely to get another 15 to 20 plus carries uh, or touches. Receptions as well because he was the receiving back. I mean... I think Devin Singletary, a little motor Singletary, is a, a decent low, mid to low end RB two again this week. I don't see why uh, at this point you can't you can't trust it. Uh, do you like Gabe Davis in this game? What's your what's your favorite secondary option? I, I really like Dawson Knox. I think uh, Dawson Knox came alive again last game, and I think he continues to. Be uh, alive well, again. he didn't really come alive last game. He didn't do anything until a he scored a touchdown, a garbage time touchdown. He ended up getting lucky. He scored but... a touchdown. Yeah, That's Gabriel alive for tight ends. Gabriel Davis was on a roll um, prior to getting COVID. Tremendous matchup for opposing wide receivers. Emmanuel Sanders is out likely and is just old and not trustworthy by any means. Isaiah McKenzie was great, but Cole Beasley is returning too. It really muddies up the water for any secondary options, but Gabriel Davis, I do think, has earned a wide receiver three flex appeal, especially in a matchup against Atlanta and. Josh Allen has QB1 overall potential for sure. Uh, ready to go on to the next game, Mike? Yep. Let's go to the Chiefs at the Bengals. And the big question is, are you chasing Joe Burrow's performance? Since six, since, excuse me, week six, Kansas City has given up 17 or less points to the quarterback seven times since week six. That is a lot of times. They've given up 14 points or less in five out of the last six weeks. Only the Chargers scored more, and that was with a game without Chris Jones. On the season, Joe Burrow was averaging less than 34, 30 throws a game. He had 47 throws against the Ravens. The risk factor is big here for Joe Burrow, in my opinion. In my opinion, Joe Burrow is a low-end QB1 that if I have a more exciting option... I'm going to start him over Joe Burrow. What do you? How do you feel about that, Mike? People have very short memories in fantasy football. They saw that absolute monster performance against Baltimore. That one people weeks. I mean, 525 passing yards, four passing touchdowns. Aye, 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 over 40 passing yards. Just legitimately absurd. And that's what people remember. And they don't want to remember the fact that the Kansas City passing defense has been absolutely absurd for several weeks now. That continued last week against Big Ben. Not a big... Not a big name by any means anymore, but it continued. They've just been, their secondary has been elite after being absolutely disgusting in the first half of the season. And we're talking about Joe Burrow, who look he just put up forty plus points, yes. But prior to that, they had a bye week ten. So we since week nine, disregarding week ten, he has one twenty plus point fantasy performance, one of six games. That's not ideal at all. So, I mean, what are you going to do? You're just going to trust him against a Kansas City defense because he put up 40 last week? Like, there is shoot-up potential for sure. But, I mean, they've been putting up big numbers. They put up 40 against Pittsburgh, and he scored 17. They put up 30 against Las Vegas, and he scored 9. 
They could put up points without Joe Burrow having a huge fantasy performance, and he doesn't really run. There is something to be said as well about um, about the matchup because because Joe Burrow has absolutely dominated dominated the Ravens this year. Uh, he's yeah. he has almost a thousand yards against the Ravens by themselves. And he only true. has 4,000 yards in the season. <laughs> so a quarter of his passing production has come against the Ravens. Um, Trey Lance, Michael, or Joe Burrow? Joe Burrow. I'm not I'm not going to go that crazy. Ooh. Tough one. Russell Wilson or Joe Burrow versus Burrow. Detroit? Burrow. I mean, I still like Burrow as a low-end QB1. But Kyler Murray at Dallas. Kyler. Kirk Cousins at Green Bay. Primetime. Yeah, I'm going to Burrow. Tua. Come on. If you're starting Tua over Burrow right now, you suck. Tua has the Ten- lowest ceiling against- of anyone in the world. Huh? Against Tennessee? Uh, Taysom Hill. Taysom has more upside, in my opinion. Ooh. It's it's gonna be a tough one. It's gonna be a tough one because if you were if you started Joe Burrow last week, it's either because you're smart or because you are streaming quarterbacks. And he was that streamer option for you that brought you into this week. So it's going to be interesting to see how many people ride it out with Joe Burrow and what happens because it's, it's going to be interesting. One thing you're not doing is you're not you're not sitting T. Higgins. You're not sitting Joe Mixon, who came back to life last week. And you're not sitting uh, Jamar Chase. These guys are home runs. Correct. Even Tyler Boyd who is the odd man out for several weeks. He's been better of late, including that long touchdown reception last week against Baltimore, another long touchdown reception several weeks ago. Um, He's basically been a wide receiver three. Like he didn't just, uh, he didn't just pack his bags and leave town. Once Jamar Chase and T Higgins started getting going, he's, it's been a little lucky and a little untrustworthy in terms of like catching that long pass. He only had three, receptions um and then that touchdown from the deep pass but i mean against the chargers he went five for 85 against san fran four for 55 over the last four weeks 55 yards is his lowest output so i mean he's at least setting a decent floor for himself and i do think he uh he's basically uh at this point a low-end wide receiver three flex play but you'd have to it's just it's low ceiling he's another one that just i'm not i don't i can't really get behind fully like, it really depends on your options if you're going to be able to trust Tyler Boyd or not, or if you should be using Tyler Boyd or not. But I, it's either a long touchdown or he's going to be a very, very average receiver. I would stay away from Tyler Boyd this week, uh, personally. Let's go over to the other side. Tyreek Hill, we've already talked about he felt the effects of COVID. So because it's a week later, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty confident that Tyreek Hill can come back uh, full strength. I am a little nervous, can't lie to you, but I'm treating Tyreek Hill as he's back full strength. Um, Travis Kelsey as well, back. Pat Mahomes is Pat Mahomes. These are the guys you're playing. On the other side, I'm not on the other side, on the running back side, CEH doesn't look like he's going to play this game, so it's going to be the Daryl Williams show again. Daryl Williams, in his time without CEH, if you don't forget, if your memory is short, was an absolute stud, high-end RB2. 
And I expect him to be that this year. If you have Daryl Williams, congratulations. You've lucked yourself into an RB2. Yeah. Um, I agree with you. It's the it's the Chiefs, man. You start Patrick Mahomes, you start Tariq Hill, you start Travis Kelsey, you start the running back. And this week that's Daryl Williams. I actually my opponent in the FSGA league has Daryl Williams, which is frustrating. Um, to say the least, to just get a free RB1. But, I mean, I have Daryl Williams as RB12 this week. I mean, I'm playing him. I'm firing him up. I'm not scared of Derek Gore. Um, Derek Gore has some RB3 appeal himself since he's going to get work as well. But, again, it's the championship round. I doubt you're trusting guys like Dario Gumnawale and and Derek Gore. So, yeah, fire up Daryl Williams if you have him as a high-end RB2. But our next game, the Dolphins at the Titians. Man, my spelling was atrocious this week. Um, AJ Brown didn't practice on Thursday. What the hell? Probably just maintenance. I I hope so. It's unfortunate because he looked very healthy. Um, But you're playing a a Dolphins defense that's absolutely insane right now. Absolutely on fire. Jerome Baker has been a wrecking ball. If you don't know who Jerome Baker is, I have him in my IDP league. Christmas baby. Shout out to Jerome Baker, born December 25th, 1996. He's been causing havoc, absolute havoc. So do you trust this Titans passing attack against a super blitzing Miami Dolphins defense that just can't stop, won't stop, can't stop, won't stop? Yeah. You start A.J. Brown, that's it. We can move on. It's been like that the entire season. What about the running backs? You're obviously not starting Westbrook Aquino. Well, I'm talking about the pass catchers. You're not starting Jeff Swaim or Anthony Ferkser. The running backs, yuck, too. But I think of the bunch, Deontay Foreman, he's the one who found the end zone again. But the Dolphins' run defense has been their best part of their defense all season long. They're uh, 26th in points over average. So I think Deontay Foreman, he could find the end zone again. But even last week, he found the end zone and then didn't even get, um, didn't even put up double digits. So I mean, yuck! Like it's not ideal um, to be starting a tight end running back right now because it's just you know it's it was very frustrating as someone who started Foreman in several spots to see Dontrell Hilliard and Jeremy McNichols playing OD as well. It's basically a straight up three way committee, and <sighs> it's it's very hard to trust that. The worst. And you can't. The absolute worst. You can't trust Ryan Tannehill. The true value king has really uh, not been ideal this year. I mean, a king is only as good as his forces. True that. He yeah, ended the up. The guy has no one to throw to. Yeah, he had AJ Brown back last week, and he was like, I'm just going to throw to AJ Brown, and it worked. Exactly. I mean, the, who else is he going to throw to? Um, all right, let's go over to the Dolphin side. The Dolphins Dolphin defense side. is a good play in this game. I just mentioned them. The Titans have been great against the tight end. Uh, Fifth best in the league. Minus 25% points over average. Mike Kosicki has been nothing short of terrible. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to say terrible. He's been nothing short of terrible because you expected so much more out of him. Nothing short of terrible since uh, in the last few weeks. I don't see any way you can play Mike Kosicki in this game. Yeah, give me Foster Moreau, Gerald Everett. And Pat Fryermuth, give me any of those three guys streaming over uh, over Mike Kosicki. I'm with you. The We're running backs, too. Bad. Now that Duke backs. Johnson's in the mix, they don't get any They don't get any love 
They've only had six targets in the last three weeks combined. Absolutely gross. Um, the real player that you want to play in this game is probably Jalen Waddle. Yeah, Jalen Waddle's the high-end wide receiver, too, at this point, if not a wide receiver one. Um, he's just been absolutely glorious, um, especially of late. There's like this this week against New Orleans, you got Devontae Parker on one side not catching a single pass, and you got Jalen Waddle on the other side getting 12 targets, turning it into 10 receptions, 92 yards, and a touchdown for 20 half PPR fantasy points. Like this guy has been absolutely absurd. Really, ever since week six against Jacksonville, he really took off. Since then, he's been a locked and loaded weekly wide receiver to having a great rookie season. I mean, he has 96 receptions, 940 yards. Five touchdowns. Shout out Jalen Waddle. Um, him and Tua clearly have a connection made from back in Alabama, and like you, you gotta fire him up. And Devontae Parker, I know he really burned you if you played him last week. I hear you. Um, a donut is just really, really rough, and it's gonna be hard for most people to trust him after that. But looking at the larger picture, like some players put up donuts, like we've seen. A lot of players this year have really bad games. Good players. The T. Higginses, the the A.J. Browns, the Tyreek Hills. Like, it happens. Besides last week, Devontae Parker has been a pretty trustworthy wide receiver three flex type of guy. Has not caught less than four balls. I don't I don't think it's going to be a repeat of last week against New Orleans. Um, especially because it was Ian Book on the other side. Like, they really did not need to operate at any sort of intensity the entire game. They just Jalen Waddle ended up being the biggest beneficiary of it. I think Devontae Parker's a wide receiver three here against Tennessee. He'll probably be like even in DFS, probably a very low roster DFS guy who you could uh sneak into a lineup and maybe he has a, a big game here because Tennessee, the number one matchup in points over average against opposing wide receivers, should be a hard fought game. Two teams vying for uh playoff spots. Like the the Dolphins were one and seven. They're now eight and seven. First team ever to start one and seven, then win seven straight. Like they're they've been playing very good football, and this is their first like real, um, real test in a while. So it should be a good game. Yeah, looking forward to that game. It's going to be good. Um, anyone else you want to talk about in this game, Mike? No. Nah. All right. With that being said, that's the last game of slate number one. We're going to come back to you with part two. Part two. Uh, very. Sh- Part two, very shortly, uh, very soon. Some people uh, might have paradoxically listened to episode two before episode one. Tis, uh, as, tis life. as usually is the case. As what are you going to do? The case. What are you going to do? Um, again, if you're listening right now, thank you so much for your uh, support. Uh, if you're listening right now and you're not in a fantasy league just to support us, you're you're an angel. Uh, we thank you. And if you are in a fantasy league, let's, let's win some championships. Part two, coming at you soon. Later. Later.